This is Las Vegas Real Estate Now with local real estate expert Harvey Blankfeld. Where we want to educate you about our market, empower you to make wise decisions, and help you engage with our expert contributors. Here's the cool part about today, guys. Now, uh, John's always, always wanted to do this. He's right. always, he's, he's always wanted, because he's, he he's is our returning re- champion. He is our returning champion. And he's always wanted to do this. So I'm turning the show over Not to John. John is going to be the host, and, and Danielle and I are going to be the guests. And I know John has a bunch of questions he wants to ask us, so I'm going to let him right. I'm going to let him take it. Go ahead, John. So I'm going to ask a series of questions to these two experienced agents, and we want to see what they are. The, the intent behind these questions are they're human being, real-life questions that I think consumers and people have in this, in this business. So here we go. Question one, best answer off the top of your head. What would you do? So one, what, if anything, are you doing differently to get homes sold today in this COVID crazy world? Is there a new trick or sales tactic that's working especially well? The short answer is no, <laughs> but the good answer is this. Listen, in, in, in today's market, first of all, we have to make sure sellers follow protocols. We have to make sure that, uh, uh, that we're showing houses in proper fashion. Uh, but the rest of the things that I would tell you are mostly tried and true methods that we've used year year in and year out, and that is, you know, make sure that the uh, the home is is ready to be sold. Make sure that there's no clutter. Make sure it's clean. Make sure everything works. Uh, make sure it presents in its best possible fashion. Make sure we can have as much access to it as possible, and then make sure you price it right. And then there's some special. I mean, there's some things that we do that Danielle and I might do for a seller that, to help get them sold. Including right now, we, we've been doing these um, virtual opens. Coming soon, which yeah. we've never done before. Right. So I think it's just doing more things virtually, thinking mm-hmm. outside the box. Mm-hmm. What did we do recently? We did door hangers. Mm-hmm. So I think some of our methods are maybe going back to old school. The virtual stuff is neat, and, and we're starting to implement that. Like this Saturday, I'll be doing an open house, but I'm also incorporating an element of that as a live of, of virtual remote setting. So you'll be able to tune in on Facebook Live and see the house if you can't make it there in person, just go to Facebook Live and you can see the house. Is that some aspect of turning the home sale into a show? As as so much, and I'm just thinking now, yeah. of, of TikTok and everybody becoming a superstar <laughs> well, or having the chance to, to be a superstar. Did, is that what we're that's doing with these idea. homes? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're, look. We're telling a story. I mean, we're salespeople. Right? That's right. what we do. We sell. Right. I mean, so in order to sell, we you know, if we can add some spark to the marketing, we're going to do it. But not just the house. I think we started to also tell about the neighborhood and the things that are surrounding that neighborhood because mm-hmm. we're always just so focused on the house. But with all with so many people, you know, from California and coming here from other places, I think being able to, you know, describe the area and what mm-hmm. it's close to and the amenities, um, I think that's not equally as important, but I do think that's, I think it's important. All right, look at, love it, love it. Let's go to question two. Um, you guys have told us that inventory is low and it's making things tougher on buyers. So tell us what's actually working for buyers right now. Some of the things that we're doing are, I think there's a lot more work that's being done beforehand and not just going out on the fly. Like we have to research the properties and make sure they do fit our buyer. Uh, We've written letters on their, well, they've written letters. We submit the letters and I think that's worked. Worked with one of our listings. Yep, absolutely. Two of our listings. Yeah. And we didn't know it, but our buyers are, both it had a, they had a letter written yeah and it worked but it also could not work for you you know all things being equal when you write a letter uh, you know some sellers like to sell a home to somebody they think they might like they do sure. there's an emotional element to it but but you still the price still has to be right your letter's not going to save you thousands of dollars but it might get you yeah. the home instead of the other guy are buyers getting a deal 
today? Mm. Like, can they come? Can you come in as a, a normal buyer and get a deal on a house, or do I need to come in and and just look at how do I get the best house, pay the market price, and move forward? Like, what's your what's your comment to that? What's what's the what's a deal to them? Yeah. You don't always know what the best deal mm -hmm. is for them. So right. I think understanding the buyer, but in such a fast moving market, it, if you're just trying to get the lowest price, it, it may not be a market for you. If you don't yeah. want to compete, compete with multiple offers, this may not be the time. There's things like Danielle said, prepare, be ready. And I think one of the things you want to do is, is you want to, first of all, you want to meet with John or your lender. Definitely it should, it should be John. John. <laughs> but uh, meet with your lender and get yourself as, as far down the approval road as possible. Get yourself to the point where you just need a house and we can do the deal so that the seller and the listing agent see your offer and they see it as something that's solid. They, they're not concerned. You take as much concern out of their minds as possible. And as, so, again, all things being equal, your offer looks better than the guy who just came with this pasted-together approval letter that's not, maybe not as effective. There is a difference that you make as being a certain skilled realtor versus the realtor doing their first transaction, a person with a reputation, that sort of thing. Is there an aspect like that with with lenders? Like when you get a lender, a pre-approval letter from <laughs> ABC or whatever the case is, is there any filtering there? Does that make a difference for buyers? Well, I, I think it absolutely does. Absolutely. If we get a pre-approval letter from a, a company we're not sure about, I'm sure we're Googling it first and then calling yeah. our we're calling you to go, do you know about this lender? Yeah. I call the lender. You know, I'll call the lender on the letter and say, hey, tell me about your client. I'll get as much information as I can as a listing sure. agent, as much as they're willing to offer at that point. Uh, and in the contract, it gives them permission to talk to me once we're under contract, but I'll try to find as much as I can. When we write offers, connecting the listing agent to the lender and making oh. that introduction and maybe having you call while the offer or prior to mm -hmm. the offer being submitted, because mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of times on our listings that doesn't happen. That's, no, that's a great a idea. Thing. Great idea. What if I'm in contract to sell my home and I change my mind and I want to cancel? Do bad things happen to me? The thing about the real estate contract, John, is this, is that it gives the buyers a number of contingencies with which they can cancel the transaction and get their earnest money back. Sure. It doesn't give the seller any. Um, but, look, if, if the seller wants out of a transaction and the buyer raises any point of resistance, the seller just says no and then hopefully gets the buyer to withdraw or cancel. That's, okay. that's your objective. That's, as their agent, they want out of the deal. You're going to try to get to a point where you, Now, you can go ask the buyer if they want to be nice and just let us go. But they might not. They, especially in this market, they just fought hard for this house, and they don't want to lose it. So the seller, you know, there's, they could be sued for what's called specific performance. Yep. yep. That's the term that we use to make a seller sell. It's hard to do it, but it can be done. This next question is something I think fairly common that I get, kind of touches my world on, you know, because I work with buyers. But buyer has a home inspection done, and there are things that the, they want the seller to fix on the house. What's the right perspective to use in deciding what to ask the seller to fix? Generally, sellers will acknowledge, will acknowledge that they're not selling a brand new home, or buyers hope, hopefully understand that, right, Daniel? Yes. I think it's situational with each house, but yes, you know, when they come back with a list of 100 things, and some of them may be trivial or cosmetic, right. you know, we'd say big like ticket re items. Replace the air filter. Like, is that is that something I should be asking the seller to do? Well, or is well, that too minor? We prep the seller to make sure that they. Have yeah. clean air filters and there's no, you and, know, not anything. And honestly, there, that but. would be something that would be, would be okay. But if you say to the seller, hey, fix that scratch on the wall that we saw right. in the dining room, that might be a problem because, you know, that's that's a simple aesthetic issue. And you may be repainting the house anyway for all we know. And right now in this market, John, I'd be a little careful as a buyer asking for too much. I would be careful. I mean, I, look, I generally coach my buyers when I'm talking to them about 
about an inspection, as long as there's not nothing major, I, I basically say, ask them for the things you've got to have that you really think are very important to you and see if we don't get them to do those. And then if there's a couple other things you'd like to get, maybe we can try them. But let's not, let's not just present the whole list and say, here, fix everything, because we're not getting a new home. Next one. Uh, I'm the seller of a house. Am my buyer's going to be late on the closing? Should I give them more time, or do I toss them on the street <laughs> and just go to the next buyer and put my house back on the market? So let me understand your question. You're saying right at the end, you know, within a few days of closing, they say they need more time. Right. They're asking me for five more days, let's say. And I'm making this up. But it's five well, more again, days. I think it's situational, and I think it depends is, is my answer because <clears> – <throat> If everyone's performing and we're all on the same page, then a couple of days or maybe a week, I think is reasonable. But if the buyer's lender's not performing and the buyer's not complying and there's just a lot of tension, mm -hmm. well, then that might be a different response. But I think if everyone's trying to close it, then I think you're more, yeah, it's, still more amenable to do it. It's in the seller's best interest to try to hold the deal together for just a week or so. But right. if the buyer is asking for like another month, more days. yeah, that's fine. I mean, usually, and then there might be certain stipulations to that, that the seller might insist that the buyer do some certain things to reassure the seller that they're going to close. But I think ultimately the, the, it's still in the seller's best interest to close it in seven days rather than put it on the market and close it in 45 days from then. Right. So right. they do, you know, losing time on the market can be devastating to a seller should should i be wearing my adversary hat between buyer and seller or cooperation hat i think it's always important to understand both sides and try to have the person you're representing understand the other side and then i think it makes it easier to come to a decision yeah. but yes i think you start you start with we, we always want to start with a cooperative nature we always want to try to help one another and, and look for the win-win Sure. Look for the win-win for both sides. Look for the look for the things that are going to make both sides as happy as you can possibly be. There may be elements within the contract that sometimes you have to, you know, the seller says to you, "Look, Harvey, I'm not doing that." And then we say, "Look, we're, you know, we're stuck. This is a this is a right. this is a rock. We're not moving on this point." But when it comes to an extension or something of that nature, I mean, I, again, it's it, if it's costing look, let's say the seller has a closing that they have to make in 2 days and you're sure. asking for 6 days, that's a real problem. You know, the seller doesn't want to lose their purchase because you can't close on time. I am buying a home, but mm -hmm. I was just laid off. What happens now if I can't buy my house? How far into the transaction are you? That's the first question. Because we're looking for, out for your earnest money here. And, and at a certain point, you're beyond all your contingencies. You could be in trouble. You could be losing them. So that, that's, that's the first core thing to say, right? Which is the buyer's risk of not performing on the contract is simply their earnest money. Yep. Correct? That's right. That's what they have at risk. And whatever for, money outlay they have for, for inspections and appraisals. But yes, that's it, oh, basically. Sure. Yeah. And that's a good point. You're saying resale because new construction, different world, right? Oh, yeah. Correct. Especially if they've given a certain percentage of their option money. Yeah. And some require nothing. Some Are require there... 10% of the options they've chosen, 25%. I've seen even high as 50%. Yeah. Are you saying that like in the contracts between new construction versus resale, there, there are different protections? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Less protection for the buyer in a new sale. Yeah, the new sales. Remember, the new sale contracts are written by the builder themselves. It's written to be more seller-centric. <laughs> yes. And our contracts, the GLVR, is a very buyer-protective contract, although it has protection <laughs> for the seller, too. This is the most important question of the day. Okay, here we go. Okay, I think as, as, as human beings, we're out there in the audience, and we're, we're thinking about um, they're playing with the idea of selling my house, and I'm trying to get a feel for what that might look like. Is there a way for me to kind of get a like a rule of thumb for how much money I'm gonna get if I sell my house? And so here's the idea. If I sell my house at 300,000, how much is gonna cost me to sell that house? 
and how much will I, you know, effectively get to put in my pocket to pay off my mortgage, that sort of thing. Is there any kind of rule of thumb that I can work with? So you want to know how much does it cost to sell a home, sure. roughly? Yes, please. How much does it Tell cost to sell a home? So what do you think, Danielle? How much does it cost to sell a home? If we had to give them a rough answer. We don't like giving rough answers, but we will. Around 8%. Around 8%. Yeah, I think that's what I would say, too. Around 8%. And, and hopefully I'm a little high. Hopefully it's a little less than that. But sure. I'd rather you prepare for the worst and hope for the best. When a buyer asks you how much down payment they need to buy a house, what do you tell them? Please talk to John Ingram. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say, too. You know, you need to talk to your lender. And There's we not get... one answer? I thought, I thought my grandparents told me I had to put 20% down, no matter what. That's a yeah. You know, you're you know, a lot of people think that there, you're right. I mean, you're it's absolutely a very right. High percentage of people out there. People ask us this all the time, and we could come at and and Danielle's giving the same answer I would give too. I would say, hey, talk to your lender about it. But I would say, you know, if you're a vet, first, are you a veteran? Do you do you have any VA benefits? Because if that's the case, you don't have to put any money down. You just have to cover your closing costs, maybe, and maybe we can get the seller to help you with that too. But uh, if you're not a veteran, I think you got to go. You got to start at three or three and a half percent down. Mm -hmm. That's where you have to start. And it goes up from there. Do you ever get the question, and then and what do you answer when somebody says, how much do I need to make to afford this house? They they walk into your open house that they're showing, and you know, you've got this house for sale at $400,000. They're going to ask you, how much do I need to make to, to buy this house? Do you have any way to help them with that? You know, I could I could pull out my, my mortgage calculator, and we could talk about, you know, generally speaking, uh, what, what the payment's going to be okay. in that particular house. And then see if, if hopefully their approval has been there. But again, I'm probably going to send them right back to the lender and say, hey, let's let's establish a budget. As a matter of fact, that's the first thing we would want to do with a buyer. Hey, go meet with a lender. Let's get your budget right. Um, so if you say, how much do I need to make? To, you, you, they, they should hopefully already know that. Mm -hmm. They should hopefully have already met with a lender. And by, before we show them any houses, they've already got a pre-approval in hand, especially in this market. When yeah. I meet with buyers for the first time and maybe the first time home buyers, but to say, okay, if you buy a $300,000 house, and your let's say your down payment's three and a half percent. Here's that amount right. plus your closing cost. Here's the total amount. And if the seller contributes, great. And if not, you'll definitely need this amount. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, is this? Do you have this? And then here's your earnest money. Um, you know, this is held as as a credit on your behalf, sure. not in addition to. And then here's the cost that it would during the transaction you're going to come out of pocket. And I kind of explain and just do a real basic, just so you know they understand if they haven't met with you yet. Please join us again next week as we keep you up to date on everything real estate here in Southern Nevada. Remember, send me any questions or ideas for next week's broadcast. Tune in every Thursday at 3. Also, please let your friends and family know to like our Facebook page and be reminded about our updates at LV Real Estate Radio. We'll catch you next week. Thanks again for joining us.